welcome back to Relatably Weird. I'm Tiff. And I'm Kate. And we have got a couple of topics for you today. I have to say, I'm a little relieved to do some research that's not spooky. I concur. I needed a break. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Spooktober because I do love paranormal stuff and I do love spooky stuff. But doing it all month long... Oh, yes. And some of the things that we covered, like, I still kind of get the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. Oh, I do, too. So, yeah. So, we're we're kind of back to normal episodes. Oh, um, we even got new curtains in, in, in our, our studio. <laughs> got the new curtains in our studio. We're going to have to make a theme song for the show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, we'll post a picture of you'll 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 see the the new curtains in our studio, courtesy of our dad. Yes, and at curtains, since you can't see us because we don't record this on video, <laughs> uh, curtains is in air quotes, hard air quotes, hard air quotes. Um, okay. Anyway, so Kate, what is your teaser for your topic? Well, lady friends, we are going to discuss. Uh, Pushing out a 10-pound baby medieval style. Oh, lordy. That's right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Just diving right in there. Oh, my downstairs hurts already. <laughs> and what's your teaser? Um, so you're familiar with the show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yes. Um, you know how they have a feature on there where you can phone a friend? Yes. We're going to be talking about phoning an unalive friend. Oh. And I promise it's not spooky. I was like, I thought we just discussed the not spooky. I know. I know. But I promise you this topic is not spooky. However, um, fair warning, we may want to bust out some tissues. Oh, man. I don't have any. Okay. This this episode's, well, my topic is going to be relatably weird sentimental. I thought you were just going to say flat out sad. Parts of it are kind of sad. Okay, well, mine's a little humorous. So why don't we start with your topic? And then end on a high So we have some time to recover. I agree. Okay, so grab your box of tissues, because this is going to get a little sad and a little sentimental. I am not ready. I I mean, I'm ready. Listen, I, I didn't think I was ready. I didn't think I would I would have an issue as I was writing this, but the more that I got into researching and thinking about this and typing out my notes, the more sentimental I got and got a little teary-eyed. So, okay. Okay. So, because look, we've all experienced the loss of a loved one. Yes. If you haven't, you're either extremely young or very fortunate. Yes. I'm just saying. Because we've all lost somebody. Right. It could be a friend, a family member, but we've all lost somebody. It could be a pet. Oh, yeah. Those are hard. Pets are just as hard. Yes. Um, But, and, you know, especially coming out of a pandemic, many of us have experienced loss in some way or another. We know somebody that has passed away in the past couple of years, probably. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we know that a loved one is close to passing. Like, it's, we know that they've got a, a diagnosis that is not going to end well. Right. Um, and so we kind of, we get the chance to say our final goodbyes or see you laters or do the bucket list things. Like, go to Disney World, jump out of a plane. Like, 
we get those moments whenever we know that someone's close to passing. But sometimes that loss is unexpected. Sometimes it's an accident or even sometimes you might know about it, but the circumstances around the loss are extremely tragic. Mm. Um, you know, it could be a surgery gone wrong, uh, cancer that's returned, you know, so sometimes things just, they're, they're traumatic around right. these losses and we aren't prepared to deal with it. Um, and regardless of how that loss happens, we experience some kind of grief in one way or another. And everybody experiences grief differently. You and I have had this conversation a lot, a lot, because you and I do process grief very differently from most other people. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're similar with each other, but I feel like we're very different from other people and how we process our grief. Um, and, you know, sometimes, regardless of how you process your grief, after the passing of a loved one, you may find yourself wanting to have one more conversation. Oh, yes. I hear this all the time. Maybe it's because you need closure because it was a traumatic, like an accident or there was some kind of, I don't know, mystery or confusion around the death and you just want that closure. Maybe it's just out of habit if you talk to them every day, mm. you know, um, or maybe it's because you want to tell them something that has happened. Like, I don't know, say like your kid takes their first steps and you want to share that with them. Uh, you know, those exciting, ha good things uh, that you want to, to tell them. So you may want to have a conversation about that. Or maybe you want to tell them things that you didn't get the chance to say when they were alive. At some point, I think we have all experienced that, man, if I could just talk to them one more time. Or two, you talking about these conversations. Think about a dear friend of mine that um, lost his father. And one of the last things that they had, one of the last interactions that they had was kind of an argument. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot of regret and things you wish you could apologize for, too. Right. So sometimes it's less positive. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it yeah. is less positive and it's, it's things that you want to clear up between you and that person. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's, there's lots of times that you, you may find yourself wanting to have that conversation. Um, and you and I are no stranger to grief. Nope. Um, you know, my first up close encounter with death that I really remember um, and actually grieving this loss was whenever I was in third grade, uh, when our great aunt passed away. Oh, yes. Um, um, she had cancer. It was bad. And we were fortunate enough to be able to bring her home and make her as comfortable as possible in her final days. And I know you probably don't remember this because I think you were... I've heard the stories. Maybe, oh gosh, three years old. Anyways, um, but so we were able to bring her home, make her comfortable. We got to spend that time with her and talk to her and hold her hand and take care of her. Um, and I was the only one with her whenever she passed. And that's a very vivid memory in my mind. Not in a bad way, because it was very peaceful. Like, right. I was reading a book to her and she just went. went. Like, no struggle, no nothing. It just... She just went mm -hmm. and I knew what had happened and I was fine with it, but I grieved the loss of her because she and I were close because she watched me a lot. Like, 
I know I say great aunt, but she really was more like a regular a aunt. regular aunt. <laughs> well, because you know, you think great aunt, you think yes. somebody who's like <laughs> distant. distant and removed, and no, no, she was very actively involved in my life. Um, and so that was really my first up close personal experience with grieving a loss and being present for death. Um, and that was, that was interesting. Grieving a little, the loss as a child is just totally interesting. And I poured into poetry and reading and faith to kind of deal with it at that time, because that's what I knew. Yeah. Um, and then you and I, we were both present when our paternal grandmother passed from heart failure in the hospital. Mm. Um, so we did get to say our goodbyes. We got, we got to go in and say our goodbyes. Yep. And then, again, you and I were present when our maternal grandfather passed away from complications with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, and that one was kind of interesting because we had just come back from a mission trip. Yes. From the Philippines. Like, literally, like, we landed in Chicago, mom called us, and said, hey, you need to go see your grandfather, because things are not, we knew things were not good before right. we left, so this wasn't, like, a shock whenever we got back, but she said, you, you need to go see him whenever you, whenever you get home. So, literally, first thing in the morning, we went, and we were able to be with him whenever he passed. And then, we were both present whenever mom passed. Mm -hmm. So, we got to say our goodbyes then. Um, and you know, she, that one was still kind of a surprise, but we also knew that she wasn't in the greatest of shape. So it, well, and like with her going into a surgery, we, it was, we, it, we always knew. Yeah. So like you kind of say those goodbyes, like, oh, I love you, yeah. but you're not saying goodbye. Right. But you kind of are. Yeah. But we did at least get to be with her before she did pass. Um, and then I was present whenever my father-in-law passed from heart failure, mm. essentially heart failure. Right. They, the, the heart pump no longer worked. And so they turned it off and got to make that decision. And that was, that was a really unique experience. That was. Because he got to choose how yes. he passed and we got to be there with him and to see him living it up in the past few hours, even to the very last minute, he was cracking <laughs> jokes I mean, what was it? They went to give him the medicine to make him comfortable. And he said, oh, is that the embalming fluid? Like, <laughs> and you all have to understand, this is how our family deals with dark situations and with grief. And we deal with humor. Absolutely. We mean no disrespect. This is how we deal. We all understand that this is how we deal. And it works for us. And it works for us. It doesn't work for other people. And we understand that. Yes. Um, but, you know, in all of those situations I just mentioned, we got to say our goodbyes. But with the loss of our maternal grandmother, it was sudden and unexpected. Yes. Completely blindsided. Um, and that one was probably the most difficult to deal with because there were no goodbyes. Like, I mean, we got to say goodbye to her at church. But it was more of a see you later. It was literally a see you later. I was going back to college. Yeah. And she was like, study hard, stay away from the boys, learn a lot. You know, those and things figured, that you... Yeah, we'd drop you off, we'd come home, I'd see her the next day. Like, mm -hmm. And that didn't happen because while we were dropping me off at college, she had a massive heart attack mm -hmm. and passed. And so there was no closure. 
Um, and, you know, as we've talked about, you and I have our own way of dealing with grief and we manage through it. And we still manage through it. Yes, we do. Um, and, you know, regardless of their passing, and I'm sure you've gone through this too, Kate, you know, I still find myself wanting to tell them something. Oh, absolutely. Or, or ask questions. Oh, say, or ask a question. <laughs> like, man, I wish I could ask my grandmother this. Or, man, I wish I could ask mom how she made this cake. Or, oh, I'll still be like, oh, let me go ask mom. I'm like, yes. oh, wait, I can't. I can't. And it's hard. Even though, like, we deal with grief pretty well and we handle it well, you still have those moments that just kind of like, oh, oh, dang, I, I can't. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes we just want to share an experience or whatever, you know, as most people do with loved ones that they've lost. So what, I know that this was kind of the long way around to my topic, <laughs> but I felt it was important to kind of talk about, you know the different types of loss and stuff. What if there was a line to phone your loved ones? See, I have mixed feelings about this. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I'd be excited, but I'd also be a little scared. Yeah? Scared yeah. of what they might say back to you? Oh, mom would chew my butt. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're right. You're right. She'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, like, I think it would be an exciting opportunity but i'd be terrified as well <laughs> well so in 2010 um a man in japan by the name of itaru sasaki was grieving the loss of his cousin who had passed away from cancer oh and apparently he was really close with this cousin from all of the sources that i looked at mm -hmm. and he so desperately wanted to talk to his cousin again so he decided, again, because we all deal with grief differently, mm -hmm. he decided to purchase an old-fashioned phone booth and set it up in his garden. Because, you know, it, gardens in Japan are yes. gorgeous. They're ornate. They're complex. They're, they're just beautiful. So I can't... It's a perfect place to do this. It's a very personal place, too, I it's feel very, like. Yes, is very personal because you take the time to plant and cultivate and cure these plants. Um, and so he, so he put this in his garden and he installed an obsolete rotary phone that wasn't connected to any wires or any earthly systems. <laughs> it was literally just a phone. And he named the phone booth, the phone of the wind. And he Ooh. would write the phone of the wind. It's very fancy. And he would use this booth to have conversations, albeit one-sided, with his deceased cousin. And this brought him a sense of comfort, and it helped him in his journey of healing from the immense grief. That is really I know. sweet. I know. I told you, get the box of tissues. Um, and it's, I, because I imagine, like, those times where you just want to tell your loved one something. Being able to just pick a phone. And even if it's just a one-sided conversation, just talking. It's like the the physical feeling of holding that phone is, like, validating your conversation. Yeah. Even though, like you said, it's one-sided. Yeah. It's like a physical validation of, I'm telling this person because this. Because we, we, we so strongly relate a telephone with communication. Yeah. Like, they're almost inseparable. Oh, yeah. 
So a year later in Japan, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake resulted in a tsunami with 30 foot waves that obliterated entire towns and took thousands of lives. Don't you dare say it took the phone. (laughs) Well, so, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but because it was completely tragic. I mean, literally entire towns were wiped out. It was horrible. Entire families were wiped out. Um, And many of those bodies were, were swept out to sea and never recovered. We actually talked about this in a very early episode mm-hmm. about the just immense loss that mm-hmm. people suffered. Yes. So as you can imagine, it brought a wave of grief over the people in the region. Mm. And so Itaru was able to salvage his phone booth. Oh, good. And he relocated on a windy hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Oh, my gosh. Next to the town of... An, uh, I don't know if I'm pronounced Asuchi. It was on the it was on a hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean next to this town, which, and this town had the highest recorded number of deaths from Ugh. the tsunami. And so basically, Itaru took this phone booth from being a private conver- place for him to have conversations with his cousins, and he opened it up and welcomed the mourners. To come visit the phone booth, to make phone calls to their friends and their family that had been lost to the ocean, and um, in hopes that they would find that same connection and that it might help them to cope with their grief, just as it had helped him cope with the grief of his cousin. That is so sweet. I want to find this man and give him a hug. I know. Um... I was just so touched by this. I was like, oh my gosh. That was like so selfless of him to take this very personal thing and say, hey, I'm opening this up to anybody who needs it now because it helped me. So maybe it will help you. Well, and I think too, I think you and I have seen this. Um, Sometimes it helps you work through your grief to help other people work through their grief like it's almost like you work through it together it's almost like you coach yourself as you're coaching that person yeah yeah but it's also like a remind like hey i'm not the only one suffering like this is part of the human life like we're all in this together and we we can get through it. it together yeah and we all have to face it at some point so i think that can be a really good healing process yes just I just want to cry. I, know, I, I warned you, you all would need a box of tissues for this episode. So, so he opened up this phone booth to the mourners. However, grievers have traveled from all around the world to visit this phone booth. Like, word got around about this phone booth. And people were are so hungry for a connection with their loved lost ones mm. that... They were willing to travel across the world to find this phone booth. Um, Just to say things that they didn't get a chance to say while the person was living. But good news. (laughs) You don't have to travel to Japan to experience the phone of the wind anymore. It's still there. It's still there. You can, if you want to, travel to Japan. I would love to. However, it's expensive. That's a long trip. True. Some people may not physically be able to do that. Itaro's phone, it, Itaru's 
wow, sorry, I totally butchered that. Itaru's phone booth inspired so many other people to create their own beautiful phone booth sites across the world with the sole purpose of allowing mourners, not just themselves, to connect with their loved ones. Where, and I love this, how they said this on the, on the website that I looked at, where the wind will carry the words to those whom have passed on. Oh, God. Thus, the phone of the wind. And so you can find these phone booths um, in Australia, New Zealand, Poland, Italy, Germany, Denmark, Ireland, Canada, and then scattered across the United States. I was about to say, America, get your game on. Come on. <laughs> so I put them last because... America actually had the most locations. Really? Yes. So I'm just going to list off these states that you can find them in. Some of the states have multiples. Okay. So you can, if, if you live in, and actually I didn't list all of them. If you live in the United States, there are several locations in the northeastern, northeastern states. Oh. It's like Maine, Massachusetts, the original colonies, right. that area. Um, Ohio, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, Illinois, North Dakota, Kansas, Colorado, California, Oregon, and Washington. Kentucky? What are you doing? I know, right? Um, and actually, there is, there is one that is, there's one close to us. Oh, I feel a road trip coming on. Like for real this time. The one closest to us is located in Nashville. No way. Yes. <gasps> so for us, Nashville is only like two-ish hours away. Oh, we have to go. Um. So I I immediately, I was like, this is road trip doable. Like I know we joke on this show a lot about doing road trips. This is a road trip I'd actually do. <laughs> right, right. Not spooky. <laughs> Not spooky. But apparently there is one located in Nashville. So you and I may have to do uh, a road trip, check it out, and then post about it on our social media. Um, so I was super excited to find that. So um, just to kind of wrap it up a little bit, um, look them up. If you just type in the phone of the wind, um, you'll find lots of information about it. Um, there is actually somebody who dedicated a website. In fact, that's where I got, they actually had a map of all these locations. Oh. So you can actually go find the one closest to you if you need closure or if you just want to have that conversation or say something to your loved ones, you can. Um, and some of them are really cool. Some of them might be hard to get to. Like, I think there's one in Colorado that it's along a hiking trail. <gasps> can we do that one instead? <laughs> What's well, in Colorado? Let's go. It's a little far away, but. <laughs> they have an airport. I'm just saying. Um, that one, if I remember co correctly, that one's not as pretty. Oh. But. But it's cool. But it's the concept. Yeah. It's out in the wilderness. It's just a phone. And I think there is like an explanation yeah. with the phone. And it, you can talk to your, talk to your loved ones. Oh. So go look it up. Find a location near you. Um, or if you just want to learn more about it, there's even apparently a movie about this. I didn't get to watch it or I couldn't find it to watch it. Mm -hmm. But apparently there is a movie 
Okay. It's a short movie. I think it's in Japanese, though. Subtitles are a thing. I know. I know. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot out there. So. Okay. Enough with the sad. Um, (laughs) Take a moment. Let's dry our tears. And let's talk about something a little more happy. I want to hear about yours. Okay, so mine is uh, not sad. Okay, that's good. It's not sad. We, we need we need an upper after. We'll probably get a few, uh, several laughs. So good. pregnancy has just been like all around us lately. You know, I just had a coworker that had a baby. Uh, we just got to meet our cousin's baby for the first yes. time. Like I just feel like everybody's pregnant. Pregnancy announcements all over the place. Mm. Now. Living in the time that we live in, we are very fortunate to have the technology that we have and the knowledge we have um, about pregnancy, you know, conception, what to do and what not to do when you're pregnant. Yes. You know, the, you can find out even earlier now what you're having mm-hmm. if you so choose. Right. Because some people don't want to know. Yeah, my coworker didn't find out with either of her kids. It was very exciting, mm-hmm. even though we gave her grief over both of them because <laughs> we just wanted to go shop, you know, right. like we were so excited for them. Um, but we, we are very fortunate to have the knowledge and technology we do now. Like, you know, death from childbirth is drastically dropped. Child mortality has drastically dropped. It's actually, I saw something, um, today about how it took us like 12 years to go from a world population of 7 billion to 8 billion or whatever, like it was a very short amount of time to get to where we are. Wow. Um, because we have all these advancements. But, you know, back in the day, they were just kind of winging it. As with most medicine, you know, they just kind of trial and error. And, yes, you know, we look back on it now and we laugh. But, you know, who's to say in 100 years they won't be looking back at us and laughing? Mommy, I made a joke the other day. I can't remember what we were watching, but somebody was giving birth in the show that we were watching and they were really struggling and oh I think it was Handmaid's Tale oh yes <laughs> and and I screamed at the TV just stand up and grab a pole and let gravity do its thing like right? it should <laughs> yes so like there's there's all these things we look back and so I got to looking into um, specifically medieval beliefs on pregnancy you know because there's always even today there's like weird superstitions around conception and pregnancy and all that stuff even with all of our knowledge right but i got to thinking about how weird it was in the medieval times and just some of the strange things i've read on here and there Mm -hmm. um so i started doing a little more research and this actually kind of took a whole different direction and i found a book from the late 15th century. It's called the Distaff Gospels. Uh, the Distaff Gospels? Yes. Okay. So, basically, it was a collection of advice. Who wrote it? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? <laughs> That's immediately where my brain went. <laughs> Sorry. It was actually six women. Oh, wow. They had these meetings, and they provided this advice over six days. But, of course, it was written down by a man. Shocker. So, the advice was given by the women, written by some male author. 
So the tone of the writing can be a little disrespectful towards Mm. women, a little bit judgy on their advice. But, like, these are the women of the time who, you know, like, men weren't supposed to really be involved with pregnancy. They weren't supposed to be in the room. There was one account of a man who was severely punished because he was caught dressing as a woman to sneak into a birthing room to, like, I think he was a doctor. Oh. But anyways, like... They just weren't supposed to be there. Okay. So, like, who else are you going to ask? Like, the women were the ones in there. It makes sense that they're going to have the good advice. I say, otherwise, as a man, you're just dreaming stuff up in your head. Exactly. So, even though they're dictating it, he's writing it, it does seem to be a fairly accurate record of some common beliefs and superstitions around, um... Well, I say the late 15th century, but this would have been, quote, wisdom that has been passed down from generation to generation. So we're nearing the end of the medieval era when this is written down. So this is like a collection over the whole, you know, it's been passed down for several generations. Wow. So we're just gonna, I'm just gonna read some of these to you because, and we can discuss. Okay. Because they're just so hilarious. So we're going to start, obviously, with conception, because, you know, everybody has advice on how to get pregnant, even nowadays. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's everybody's business. So one of the pieces of advice that these women gave was to make sure your husband slash lover, (laughs) risque, does not have dirty or smelly feet when you sleep together. If you don't, your child will be smelly their whole life. If the child is a boy, he will have smelly feet too. If the child is a girl, she will have a smelly rear end. Wait, wait, how do we get from smelly feet to smelly rear end? I don't, I guess that's the worst thing for a girl. And I don't know if it just like generally smells or if she's going to like pass gas a lot. I don't know. It's just such an odd leap from feet to butt. Right. Like, because, okay, my first thought was, okay, there might be something to this, because I feel like that is a genetic thing. Like, there's got to be some genetic trait, even though they didn't know about genetics back then. There had to have been something to it. I was tracking (laughs) until you got to the, oh, the girls will have a sneaky hind end. Yeah, like, that's a little bit of a leap. (laughs) So, also a bit of spicy advice from the ladies. Make sure your partner is sexually experienced because if you're a virgin and you sleep with a sexually inexperienced young man, your child will be, quote, simple, a.k.a. dumb. (laughs) Okay, so the woman had to be pure. Yes. But it was okay for the man to have slept around. Because you want smart kids. This is not tracking. (laughs) However, this has continued to track like this for centuries. Oh, absolutely. It's still a thing today. Like, you want your women young and virginal and (sighs) your men experienced. Like, where are they going to get the experience? Right. So, the math doesn't add. No, no. So, moving on, because I could go on about this all day. Um... <laughs> this one is just make sure you're not a nun or a priest. I think you would know. 
Right. I, like, I feel like that's a, a process you have to go through. Right. But make sure you're not one of those things because okay. children who come from a union between a priest or a friar and a nun will have all kinds of problems. End of advice. Okay. But that also harkens to, you know, nowadays they say preacher's kids are the worst. You know, you're right. That's definitely a thing. There, There is a stigma that preacher's kids are the worst. So I see where they're going with And by this. worst, we mean like wild and... They rebel. They and... rebel, yeah. Yeah. Um, and two, during conception, you can also kind of sway the gender. You kind of do things to get a boy or do things to get a girl. Of course, obviously, back then you wanted a boy. Right, because you got to carry on the family name. Yeah. So if you wanted a boy, here's some things you could do while conceiving. Get the father to turn his face towards the east during sex. Hold on, honey. Let me bust out my compass. Right? Like, <laughs> gotta make sure you're looking to the east. Could you imagine that moment, just like you're in the moment, be like, no, you need to turn your face. Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pivot. Um, something else you can do to ensure you have a male is clench your fist during sex. If the mother clenches her fist while her husband does nature's work, and yes, that's a quote. Okay. That will also ensure that she will have a boy. Okay. Yeah. I I I think she's clenching her fist for another reason. Yeah, probably. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you could have sex in the morning. Because if you have sex in the evening, you'll have a girl. Okay. I'm I'm not tracking where they get the logic for this one. But, again, knowing what we know now. Exactly. Of course we don't. Now, okay, you've conceived your child. No, now you have I've had no child. <laughs> pretend, okay. With, pretend if you will that you are a fair maiden or okay. married maiden in medieval times, okay. and you have conceived a child. Congratulations! Okay. Woohoo! Most women didn't know that they were even pregnant until they first felt their child moving, which sounds terrifying. Right. That's called the quickening, because and that's when women are like, "Oh, there's a thing in there." Is it a demon? Is it a worm? Which Was is it something I ate? Probably what they said during conception. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. This has been re- this has been such a relief from the spooky episodes because I've laughed my whole way through this. <laughs> this is such a great contrast to my sad and <laughs> we went totally opposite. We directions. literally went life and death. So okay. anyways, so you find out you're pregnant, so now you have a slew of advice to follow. Okay. Um, one of the most important ones being, don't eat a hare's head, a.k.a. a rabbit. I would say a hare being a rabbit. A rabbit, right? Okay. Yeah. Don't eat a rabbit's head, because if you do, your child would have a split lip. Oh. Again, two seemingly unrelated things. I don't know how those got tied together. Who knows? Um, you also couldn't eat fish heads, or your baby will be born with a mouth slightly more turned up and pointed than normal. So they would be born with a fish mouth. Which, you're not supposed to eat a lot of fish when you're pregnant anyway. So, like... Right. This is also true. They didn't quite... They didn't totally understand it, but it tracks. They didn't quite finish the maze, but they drew some pretty lines. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, you 
you should eat white bread that's dipped in wine and that will ensure that your baby will be small because you don't want to push out again a 10 pound baby baby you mm, because also you know a lot of women died in childbirth because they would rip Uh and blood loss so yeah small baby good kind of a good thing now this one i feel i feel like this is common sense but apparently this needed to be spoken aloud. Don't throw cherries, strawberries, or red wine in the face of a pregnant woman (laughs) or the baby will have marks on their body. Or maybe just don't be rude. Or I would say, or maybe don't throw that it to anybody. Don't throw things. Don't, Don't waste good wine and fruit. Common sense people get with the program. Right. Um, Again, seemingly common sense, but it needed to be said. Don't have swords or other sharp objects near pregnant women. And I don't know why I said this, swords so weird. <laughs> this is the equivalent of don't run with scissors. Yes. If you do, touch the pregnant woman gently on the head with the flat of the sword to calm her. This will also ensure the future child will be brave. Okay, if anybody's touching me with a sword, I don't care if it's the flat end or not. I'm not gonna be calm. Exactly. I, there's no, mm-mm. no, no. Anyways. And uh, this one I'm like almost down with. Okay. And I definitely lived mostly by this rule when my coworker was pregnant. Give pregnant women the food they want. Give them snacks. Give them snacks. Now, granted, like we know now today, there are foods to avoid. But but still. Within reason, just give them what they want. Just give them what they want. Give or, them snacks. Yeah, also non-food. Some women have cravings for non-food. Yes. Things. Like dirt. Like dirt. Um. So, you know, maybe not give them that. But, but if they want the pickles and ice cream, just give them the pickles and ice cream. Yeah. Now, this is a quote from the book about this food topic I want to read. Okay. I tell you also that God and reason forbid talking with any pregnant woman or even any married woman of childbearing age about any food which cannot be immediately obtained if needed so that her baby will not have a mark on its body. So if you mention some kind of food item and the pregnant one was like, I want that, and you couldn't get it immediately, it's your fault that the baby's going to have a mark on it. So I was tracking with this up until the baby would have a mark. Because I'm thinking, yeah, this makes sense. Like, don't mention something that you can't get your hands on quickly. Because if the pregnant woman decides that she wants it and can't get it, she she might lose her mind on you. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with cravings. Yeah. With with my sec, I don't really, I don't remember having I, crazy cravings with my first child. I think you only craved, and it wasn't like a constant craving. I think it only happened a couple of times, but the, uh, some kind of wings from oh, Walmart. The honey barbecue wings from Walmart. It was so sporadic mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a constant super, thing. but with my second child, I could not get enough chocolate milk and i was not Mm -hmm. i'm I'm still not a milk drinker right but i had to have and it had to be milk mixed with the chocolate syrup and it Mm. had to be hershey's it couldn't be the off like i had to have it it was bad Mm. i drink way too much milk so 
I get the whole, like, give the pregnant woman what she wants because she'll go crazy. Yes. Um, okay, so while you're pregnant, of course, everybody wants to know the gender. Not, well, not everybody, but people want to know. It's a pretty common question. What are you, what are you having? having? A boy or a girl? Yeah. Back I don't know. In the maybe day, it's an alien. Maybe. <laughs> I'm having a human. So back in the day, there there were some very unreliable ways to guess the gender. And I say guess because... Uh, well, and you say back in the day, some of these are probably still used today because there's a lot of old wives' tales on how to determine gender. Oh, yeah. Like the ring on a string, a string. of your hair. Yep. Yeah. Um. So here are some ways that they said you could determine what the gender was. Okay. So the first one is... <laughs> I would not do well with this. Sprinkle salt on the head of a pregnant woman while she's sleeping very carefully so she's not aware that you have done so. Then when she wakes up, listen carefully for the name that she says first. If it's a man's name, the child will be a boy. If it's a girl's name, the child will be a girl. If I woke up and had salt on my head, I... Wait, also, this sounds a little witchcrafty. Right. Just just a smidge. I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, here's another another one that's kind of interesting. Talk to the mother and watch her response closely. When she asks you, what do you think I'm having? Say, a lovely boy. If she does not blush, then she's having a girl. Huh. Okay. Kind of like a lie de- like I guess. medieval lie detector test. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Um, this, I'm going to switch these two because this last one is just interesting. Um, but a common one is just find out how the mother's feeling. If she's unwell during the first three months, it's a girl. But if she's unwell during the second three months, it's a boy. I mean, so when do you get your morning sickness? Well, and that's kind of similar to if you have a lot of heartburn. Yes. If you have a lot of heartburn, you're going to have, have a lot of hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this one just really is the, this is the kicker here. Talk to the father and get him to think about how he felt after the act of conceiving the child. <laughs> if he felt nothing, it will be a boy. If he felt unwell for several days following, it will be a girl. <laughs> I would be super offended if my partner said, I, I felt, felt nothing. so sick after sleeping with you. Or I felt nothing. Like, like because that's an intimate, like, yes, moment. And I, I think from the context, they're talking about, like, physical well-being. But, like, we know now, too, like, your physical well-being is tied into your mental well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And also... Rude. Right? Rude. Yes. That's just a nosy Nancy wanting to know how things are going in the bedroom. Yeah. Yes. Just saying. Those little hussies. Oh. Okay. So the baby comes. You manage to live. Oh. You have not died. That's a plus. What do you do right after the baby's born? Eat a steak. No, not eat a steak. Uh, the first thing you're going to want to do is touch the head of your child with the umbilical cord. This will ensure that they have a long life, sweet breath, a good voice, and pleasing, elegant speech. Right. Yeah. Seems like it's 
a lot of pressure riding on that umbilical cord. That, you know, that they weren't in contact for the last nine months with. Exactly. Okay. Um, you can also give the newborn some cooked apple before they get any breast milk. Yeah, I don't see that going over well. No. Um, this will ensure that they're not greedy or gluttonous throughout their life and that they are courteous with women. The last one that ate an apple when they weren't supposed to <laughs> led to all of this in the first place. You're so. right. You're right. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's going to make them courteous to women. I don't either. Um, now, if you want your child to have curly hair... You have to wash their hair with white wine right after they're baptized. Okay, again, let's not waste good wine. Right. And why the, the timing? I don't know. Now, um, this one is just, I don't understand. After your baby is baptized, you get two young, good-looking children to put their baptismal bonnet on a sharp sword to dry... Yeah. And this will ensure that the child is handsome, bold, and welcome among the nobility. Mm. So how your bonnet dries is apparently important. Apparently. Um, if you touch your son with a sword or a dagger right after he's baptized, it will ensure that he's brave for the rest of his life. Kind of goes back to the touching the pregnant woman with a sword, which you should never do. Can we stop playing with swords? <laughs> It's the medieval times. It's what else did they have to I do? Um, be careful not to carry your child with your left hand before baptism, or they will be left-handed. Which, oh, as we for shame. Hey, back in the day, I know it was. It was totally that was a sign of evil. being evil. Yes, yep. left hand gets tied to evil. So I see where they got that. But still, cool. Now. Let's say you have a boy. Mm -hmm. Bring it to his father right after birth and put the baby's feet on dad's chest. <laughs> I can just see all this playing out. Right, right. Um, and that's going to ensure that the son will not have a bad death. Seems like a leap. <laughs> okay. I'm not tracking with this one. Like, I feel all of these are like characteristics, physical like personality traits and it's like yeah. oh and so you don't die in a bad way right right put your feet on dad's chest um makes sense but if it's a girl you're gonna want to take it to the mom and put place the baby on the mother's chest and that will ensure that her body will never disgrace her because obviously that's important that's the most important one mm. So, this is just a, a snippet of advice. I know I've thrown a lot out there, but they were all just so amusing. Oh, for sure. Now, this is an actual book that you can buy on Amazon. What? And I have some good news, too. Yeah. For women, such as yourself, who don't want to have kids. Right. Um, it doesn't just give pregnancy advice, which <laughs> oh, is entertaining to read in and of itself. But you can also get advice on finding a good husband, female health living a good life, and raising a good family. Oh. Well, that just sounds like all kinds of interesting things. So, I'm really glad that I had my children in today's world, because I don't think I could have seriously gotten through a pregnancy 
in the medieval times. No, there's no way. Like, so I have a phobia of childbirth. Right. I've come to terms with this. I have recognized that that's what it is. This is why I don't have kids. Now, had in my younger days, yes, I wanted kids, but then I realized that I really didn't want kids because of this phobia. Mm. So I can't imagine being in the medieval times and trying to have kids. Like, whoa. And they're just like all throughout history. There's so much surrounding pregnancy and childbearing. And it's just such an interesting history to research on. And it was very hard for me to just narrow it down to one time period. Mm -hmm. But I found those gospels. (laughs) I found that book. And I was like, well, this is definitely the one. Like, this is the period I'm going to focus on. Um, So, yeah. So something you can just randomly giggle about, you know, when your friend's pregnant and you want to, I don't know, throw out some really bad advice. (laughs) Hey, did you know if you were alive in the medieval times? No, no. Don't give them context. Oh, just throw it out there. Just throw it out there. Okay. Just throw it out there. I'll embrace the crazy old lady. Sure. Hey, why not? I mean, we've got nothing to lose at this point. You're right. So, I feel like I did a decent job of bringing us back up to a high point. Yes, you did. Um, I'm glad that, that I went first and you got to bring us up in the end. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would have it would have been like, the, it's like the movie Up. Mm-hmm. You made us sad at the uh, beginning Look, and I rounded it out. I was just ripping off the Band-Aid. Gosh. Just saying. Well, I think this is a good uh, first episode after our spooktacular... Uh, was Spooktober Spectacular. Yes, I keep saying it backwards. Well, and, okay, so, and I have to find it amusing, or I do find it amusing, that, so Caitlin and I, Kate and I don't ever tell each other in depth what we're talking about. We'll give a high, high level topic title, just to make sure that we don't come to the table with, with the same thing. So yes. I find it kind of funny that we kind of had like the circle of life thing going on today. Yes. <laughs> life and death. I didn't even think about that. That's all I could think about is we're talking through this. Because oh, I was Lord. like, man, I'm talking, I talked all about death and loss and grief. And you're talking about giving birth. And <laughs> oh, we went full circle today. Yeah. I see. I feel like you and I would have been those women that were like, Raising the eyebrows and, like, looking at each other. Like, did you hear this quack? Right. Did you hear what she said to right. me? Yeah, there would be a lot of eye rolls. I'm not putting my baby's feet on daddy's chest. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> we've had a good episode. Yes. And we will be back in two weeks with some more, hopefully, fun and weird topics for you all. I'm going to try not to go too sad next time. <laughs> Yeah, that was a real downer. Way to go. I'm sorry. I was just so fascinated by this, the these phones that are just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they are really cool. Okay, so honestly, that's where that topic first came from. Was yeah. I found a post about this phone in the middle of the woods to talk to your loved ones. And I'm like, what is this? It is really cool. So, but yeah, next week I'll try, or next time I'll try not to go so sad. Yep. Make sure you keep an eye on all of our socials. Yes. Um, we'll be posting some pictures um i'm not sure exactly how i will post some pictures from my topic um but we'll have some follow-up from our episode oh yeah um uh, we will share a link to our merch which is super cool definitely check that out and snag some while you can Mm -hmm. grab a hoodie it's hoodie season it is definitely hoodie season and you definitely need one Mm -hmm. so you have anything else tiff 
I think that's all for this week. All right. Well, y'all have a good week. Bye. Bye.